Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you were socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist confidence coach, and you've got episode number 14. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Before I get into today's episode, I want to make a quick announcement. This episode is brought to you by my Perimenopause Body Image Confidence Starter Pack. If you've been loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to dive deeper into this work, this is a great way to get started. It's a little collection of tools that I've created that you can start applying today to help you feel more confident when it comes to your body as you navigate this transition. It's free and it's available right now. Just head to the show notes or to michellecapley.com forward slash starter to get instant access today. Today, I'm bringing you an episode in a series called Provider Care Confidence. The series of episodes is designed to help you feel more confident as you're seeking and advocating for your best medical and non-medical care possible during your perimenopausal transition and beyond. Around here, we believe that knowledge is power, and the more you know, the better equipped you will be to ask for exactly what you want and need from your care providers, medical or otherwise. If you're hearing this in the future and you want to access the rest of the episodes, I have an updated PDF list with direct links to all of the episodes in this series so you can find them easily. You can find it in the Body Image Confidence Starter Kit, and you can grab that for free when you sign up for the kit. The link is in the show notes. Before we get into my tips for today, I want to give my usual rant about treatment choices, which basically is that there is no hierarchy of treatment options. One is not better than the other. There are all types of people who need care who will come to the table with all sorts of values and priorities. So for example, if you tell your friend that you're using pharmaceutical medication and they tell you directly or indirectly that your choice is inferior or inappropriate because it's not the quote unquote natural route, know that one method is not better than the other. And conversely, if you want to try herbs and supplements first, that's okay too. Don't let somebody tell you that medication is the ultimate choice. There is no right way to do this. Different bodies will have different needs, and there will be varying levels of accessibility and options for different people. And most of the time, it's really just about trying a bunch of different things and seeing what works. And in many cases, it ends up being a combination of a few things that ultimately provides a solution or maybe even just a little bit of relief. All of that being said, I always recommend consulting with a licensed, qualified, and experienced practitioner for all of your treatment recommendations. That might be a medical doctor, a functional medicine practitioner, a naturopathic doctor, or another allied health professional like a registered acupuncturist like me. Everyone's body is different and will likely require an individualized assessment to determine the right solution for your unique and individual needs. What worked for one person might not work for another, for reasons that are probably obvious to a trained and licensed practitioner, but might not be obvious to you. Please don't order supplements or herbs or medications from the internet without a consultation. These things are strong and they have effects, so you want to make sure that the effects that you are getting are right for your individual body. Okay, so with that being said, let's get on with the episode. Today, I want to talk about five things that you can try to help you advocate for a supportive and effective experience with your care providers, medical or otherwise. 
In my 12 plus years as a reproductive acupuncturist, I have helped many folks who are using different treatment methods to help them reach their health goals. So for example, I've helped lots of people who are using IVF to get pregnant, but also want to use acupuncture. I've also helped folks who suffer from severe endometriosis pain who are awaiting therapeutic and diagnostic surgery, and they're looking to just treat symptoms. And I've helped a lot of folks who are treating their perimenopausal hot flashes or insomnia or vaginal dryness with a combination of therapies, including hormone replacement medications. Many folks use a mix of both conventional medical care and alternative therapies. So I get to talk to a lot of people who are being treated by many different doctors, therapists, and allied health professionals and healers. And I see the same thing coming up time and time again, especially because the majority of my patient population are people with uteruses and ovaries and female hormones, or people socialized as or identify as women. I meet so many folks who feel that their treatment experience is lacking, that they aren't getting good care from their providers, that they don't fully understand what's happening in their treatment process, or simply they don't know how to advocate for themselves because they don't even know what to ask for in the first place. Today, I want to give you five strategies that can help you gather as much information as possible because the more information you have, the better you can ask for what you need. And big spoiler, it's not just in the context of medical care and treatment. This applies to so many other areas of life. So let's get into it. So my first strategy is get to know your body and exactly how it works. And I'm going to elaborate on what I mean by this. First, you want to get to know the basic 101 anatomy and physiology of how most bodies work. You want to learn all of the anatomical names of the parts so you can clearly communicate exactly which parts you are talking about to your care providers. You want to get to know the hormones and what they do. You want to get to know what happens in a normal menstrual cycle. You want to get to know what's theoretically normal. And you can do this by listening to a lot of different resources depending on your desires and your preferences when it comes to learning. So you can listen to podcasts like this one, you can read books, you can look up reputable sources on YouTube. There are so many excellent sources of this information out there. And from there, I want you to get to know how your body works. A general informational source isn't able to take into account that all bodies are different. Bodies are weird and wonderful and have vast variations from one body to another. And this is why it's important to get to know how your body works and what's normal for you. And you can do this by gathering data over time. My colleague and friend and sex educator, Ana Lopez, who, by the way, did a brilliant episode on this podcast about dealing with changes in libido in the context of partnerships. And I would highly recommend checking it out if you haven't listened to it already. I'll put it in the show notes and it's episode nine. So she suggests using all five senses to get to know your body. So what you want to do is you want to take off all your clothes and use all five senses to get to know your unique and individual body. So you want to answer questions like, what does it look like? Does that look and appearance change at different times in your cycle? What does it feel like? What does it smell like? And yes, body smells are a thing and it's normal to have smells and bodies just have smells. We want to know exactly how we smell individually because we also want to know when our smell changes because this can mean that something needs treatment or attention. When it comes to your cycle, you can track it over time and keep track of the data. The more cycles you track, the more clearly you will understand what's normal for you. You can track your cycles on a paper calendar, or you can use an app. There's lots available. And you want to know things like, how many days do I have my period for? How long am I bleeding? 
Do I have PMS? What's my PMS like? What are the symptoms that I have? How long from the start of one period to the start of the next? And also, do I have pain or discomfort at particular times in my cycle? You want to note all of that and look for patterns that come up again and again and again. And when you're able to gather this data over time, you will know exactly when something shifts or changes, and you can describe exactly what's going on to your care provider and let them know what your normal is versus what's actually going on. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're consulting with your doctor about pain around your period or during your menstrual cycle that's just recently come up and you've seen the data, how it's changed over time, and you've noticed that there's this problem that keeps coming up and you want to do some testing or ask for treatment options. So if you just go into your doctor's office and say, hey, my period hurts or I'm having pain, they might just give you a standard answer that some pain during your period is normal. But if you're able to say, Yes, I usually have cramps on day one and two of my bleeding at a three out of 10 severity, but in the last three months, it's been an eight out of 10 for my entire period. This is much more likely to encourage your doctor to take you seriously more than saying, I'm having pain. Record all of the data and take it with you to appointments. This can really help if your regular provider is not available or you're seeing a new provider for the first time. Okay, so tip number two, work with a specialized provider. When you are seeking care for a specific issue, I always recommend working with somebody who is specialized or has a lot of experience in the area that you need help in. Of course, most licensed healthcare providers will have a general knowledge of how all body systems work, but if you consult somebody who has expertise in a particular area, you'll have access to their specialized knowledge and you'll likely be able to get a diagnosis and treatment plan more efficiently so you can start to feel better as quickly as possible. So let's say, for example, if you're having hot flashes, your family doctor can technically prescribe hormone replacement therapy, But if you see a gynecologist who specializes helping folks who need HRT and does it day in, day out, all the time, it's all they see, it will be much less of a puzzle and an experiment for them, which means they will be able to answer your questions more effectively and provide you with what is likely to be a more accurate diagnosis and a more effective treatment plan. For example, I've met many infertility patients over the years whose family doctors didn't want to provide a referral to a reproductive endocrinologist right away until they'd been trying to conceive for at least 12 months, because that's what the medical guidelines say. But if someone just isn't getting a period ever, there's no point in trying to conceive because they're likely not ovulating. So a prompt referral to a specialist makes sense so they can get started with a specialized diagnostic and treatment plan right away. And the last thing I will say on this is don't worry about offending your general practitioner. If you want a referral to a specialist, it is your right to ask for it. This is about getting the help that you need to be healthy and feel better. It has nothing to do with somebody's ego, at least it shouldn't. And I will say that the majority of care providers out there are happy to give referrals because they want you to get the relief and the care that you need. So that's number two. Number three is... Decide ahead of time what outcome you're looking for from your upcoming appointment. This can help you guide your provider in the direction that you want to go in. So I'll give you a couple of examples. If you know ahead of time that you're not looking to start treatment right away, but you just want to talk about options, it's important to go into the appointment knowing that so you can tell your provider the kind of conversation that you want to have. But conversely, 
If you're needing some relief yesterday because you're feeling so terrible, you'll need to know what's going on so your provider can get you started with treatment options right away. And again, you'll need to know that that's your objective going in so you don't waste your time talking about possibilities. And a third example is if you want further testing because you want to understand exactly what's going on with your body, your provider will need to know what you want in order to have this kind of a conversation. So I remember when I was in my early 20s and I asked for a referral to a gynecologist because I wanted to talk about non-hormonal options for contraception and birth control. I went in there wanting to talk about methods and risks and benefits and success rates and then go home and think about it and make a decision at a later time. But I actually ended up leaving with a copper IUD inserted at the end of the appointment. I didn't get to have the conversation I wanted to have. I didn't get to talk through the pros and cons. And it wasn't my gynecologist's fault because I didn't tell her that I wanted that. She simply offered me the best option in her opinion because she assumed that I just wanted to get something in place right away. Because a lot of people do have that approach and that desire. So always decide ahead of time what you want to get out of your appointment. Is it knowledge and information? Is it a treatment plan? Is it an actual treatment to start trying as soon as possible? All of those are valid options to request. And this leads me to my next suggestion, number four, which is ask as many questions as you need to be able to give informed consent. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm a big advocate for informed consent, as all healthcare providers should be. A basic tenet of ethical medical practice is obtaining informed consent, which means that you as the patient need to know what the treatment is, what it involves and how it works, what are the benefits, what are the potential risks and side effects, and what are all of the alternatives to doing this particular treatment, including doing nothing at all, and how do those compare to the treatment plan being suggested. It is your right to ask as many questions as you need to and receive answers to be able to have a full grasp of all of the answers to the questions that I just read off. This applies in all non-medical contexts as well. If your provider is suggesting a herb or supplement or vitamin, it is still their responsibility to make sure that you are aware of all of the information that you need to know so you can give consent for the treatment from a fully informed place. Just because something is quote unquote natural doesn't mean that there are no risks and side effects. And you'll want to know all of the alternative options as well, again, including doing nothing. If your care provider seems impatient or expressly tells you that they don't have time for questions, I highly recommend seeking a second opinion, which leads me to number five, which is seek a second or third opinion if necessary, period. Of course, we have to take into account that different people will have varying levels of access to care depending on where they live and therefore the healthcare system that they live in and exist in. There are many factors that determine someone's access to care, but I want to encourage you to ask. Most of the time, your providers will do everything they can to make sure you get the care that you need and guide you to the right resources. So those are my tips for advocating for the supportive and effective medical care experience. Of course, it's just the tip of the iceberg. So I want to hear your ideas on the topic. Come on over on Instagram and send me a note or comment on the post with this episode in my feed. And better yet, if you found this episode helpful, take a screenshot and share it on your social feed. You never know who's following you who might need this information too. I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person. Or if you want help managing your mind around the perimenopausal transition and supercharging your self-confidence and body image, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapley.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you. Thank you.